Be confident. Be bold. Be authentic. But don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 142. In this episode, you're going to hear from Jeff Brown and Jesse Wisniewski. They are the authors of a new book coming out called Read to Lead, the simple habit that expands your influence, that expands your influence and boosts your career. Jeff is an award-winning radio producer and personality and a former nationally syndicated morning show host. After more than 25 years in the radio and music industries, Jeff went boss-free and launched the Read to Lead podcast, a four-time Best Business Podcast nominee. And Jesse is a senior-level marketing professional. He's been featured on Forbes, CNBC, Make It, The Muse, Observer, and more. He holds a master's degree from Gordon-Conwell, theological seminary and marketing degree from Marshall University. This episode is so good. You know how much I love reading, so I absolutely love this episode. We talk about taking action after reading and how you can do that and why it's important. And then also reading how you can read a 200-page book in one hour. And how reading can help you build your career. If you like this episode as much as I did, then please head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review I really appreciate your feedback, and that way, other badasses just like you can find the show. With that, let's get to the episode. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is Jeff Brown and Jesse Wisniewski. Thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you guys on the show. We're thrilled. Thank you. So we'll start off with Jeff. Jeff, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? Badass. <laughs> do I have to explain why? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. No, just kidding. Back that um, up. <laughs> back that up. That's right. That's right. Yeah, there was a time when my mindset was such that I, I never would have believed that about myself or my ability to to be quote unquote bad ass. Uh, but I read a lot of books and in the process realized that I was capable of far more than I allowed myself to believe. And I think since then over the years have developed into much more of a badass than I ever thought I was capable of being. <laughs> Is there any one point that kind of triggered that for you? Yeah, I think it was the last time I lost a job, which was certainly not the first time uh, and feeling pretty bad about myself. Uh, for a brief time, but it was also this shove that I needed to start doing my own thing, the push that I needed. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be surrounded. Uh, I was in a master uh, mastermind group, we call it, and uh, be surrounded by people who were there to encourage me, who were there to support me and also challenge me that this is a blessing in disguise. This is your time to shine. This is your time to 
put up or shut up and do all those things you've been saying you were going to do. Now you have, don't have any excuses anymore. Now let's go do them. And so uh, that really turned things around for me the last eight years to be able to make my own way um, rather than um, allowing someone else to take that livelihood away from me whenever they felt like it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And I love that because a lot of times like something bad will happen and we can let that defeat us, but it sounds like that's the thing that like helped you take off on your badassery. Yeah, it, it certainly was for me. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse, we'll shoot it over to you. How about you? Do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? Badass. And and after hearing Jeff respond to that, I was like, I should have just came with a lot more emotion and thunder <laughs> in the response. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess in following suit with Jeff and explaining, it's, it's one of those things, at least it's not on the forefront of my mind, you know, in terms of like pursuing that, you know, that, but it's more of just for me, kind of like with the mindset part of thing of, uh, I guess a way of answering the question a, a different way was, you know, just for me, it's just focusing in on the you know priorities, walking through, doing what you need to do, or just even like with writing a book. You know, this is uh, it was a big deal for for both Jeff and I. Like, you know, this wasn't something we just have a full time opportunity just to sit down and do. It's something that was a big goal. Uh, many hurdles we had to cross, uh, things we had to work through together, and adding it on to everyday normal work and life. You know, for instance, married, five kids, have a dog, couple of cats, even have a a rabbit. Uh, and so, you know, being able to pursue that on top of that was, you know, a big confidence booster uh, along the way as well. But so have you always felt confident or did you just kind of get that over time through your experiences? Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I think for me, I've ebbed and flow, uh, you know, in, in high school, did sports and played, you know, collegiate sports as well. Uh, and then I think similar to Jeff's experience, you know, after having some setbacks professionally, uh, losing a position, uh, experiencing depression, went through a period of time where gained a significant amount of weight, uh, mindset definitely shifted to more negative, uh, loathing type of that, which was then expressed to realize then, you know, the life I was living. And so I can't say there was a particular catalyst I had at some point getting out of that. I think it was just many small encouragements along the way over a period of years that, you know, from just kind of even like on the health side of things, like, oh, I've been able to lose, you know, 50 plus pounds since that period of time, you know, 10 years ago when I've gained the weight or uh, with writing a book, uh, definitely didn't have the uh, confidence in that. I can't recall if this story's in the book itself, but uh, failed English in high school took remedial English in college, uh, made it to grad school, but uh, I scored low enough on the GRE that I actually had to take a remedial writing course uh, upon entering graduate school, uh, which would have been, that's 16 years ago. But now looking back, whether it was a high school teacher, college professor, or even in graduate school, I would have personally never thought, let alone people in my life at the time, like, oh, Jesse's gonna write a book or getting to <laughs> content marketing and stuff. Um, so with that in particular, just a ton of practice, reading a lot of books, uh, not only on the craft of writing, grammar, uh, so on and so forth, just even books itself and just better understanding how uh, good writing reads or how it sounds. Uh, so it took many, uh, many years to get comfortable with that, especially once uh, starting making your work public. So whether that's through blog posts, uh, you know, even submitting something on Facebook, updating a post or tweet or whatever it could be. Um, it's kind of like one of those things you just I had to learn to just punch that fear in the face and get over any of those 
uh, concerns I had or fear just even about my own lack in that particular area. So Jesse, you told us a little bit about yourself. Could you, if there's anything else that you want to tell us about your career and then also your book, will you share the name of the book? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, career-wise, um, in marketing, so tech marketing, B2B marketing, you know, software, all of that, uh, which, um, so I do that on a regular basis. So that's the, the day-to-day type of thing. But kind of like I mentioned earlier, writing something I have done professionally as a, what would be called like a content marketer or copywriter. Uh, and then over the course of time, worked on a variety of different projects and stuff. Um, but this would be the first trade book I've worked on. I had the opportunity to co-author that with Jeff Brown. And that's Read to Lead, The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll just even kind of piggybacking on that, kind of going back to writing, reading, and the punching the fear in the face and just being able to move forward to the point now of working on a, a trade book is, you know, for me, reading books has definitely been the catalyst professionally from uh, the encouragement I needed to overcome a hurdle, uh, to solve a problem, um, to just even, you know, learning new skills on the job and being able to put myself in a position to make pivots, whether within an organization I was working with, to obtain a promotion or a different position, to just even learning skills and strategies to be able to, you know, climb the quote unquote proverbial ladder uh, and a part of that experience for me was like, oh, I'm not alone in that. Like books are transformative from transforming your mindset, learning new skills, reducing stress, all of these things. Everyone has, there's a lot of people out there, countless who've had similar experience. And Jeff, uh, yeah, as well as had a tremendous amount of experience with that, not only professionally, but even with the podcast. Yeah. And I can tell, I can see all these books behind you. So I can tell that you're a lover of reading books. <laughs> Yes, and so uh, many of these I've read in behind me, and then there are definitely a stack or two that I'm working through at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like that. I'm always one that skips around to several different books at once. <laughs> yes, I, I do the same. So Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I spent uh, 26 years in broadcasting. I made my career in radio, took a four-year detour, and worked in the music business before coming back to radio. Uh, radio chewed me up and spit me out enough times that in 2013, I decided I'd had enough and uh, decided to venture out on my own. And I got that little shove that I needed in, in the conference, as I mentioned earlier, to do that. I uh, decided I wasn't going to go look for another job. And, and coincidentally, I'd already been planning a, a podcast uh, called Read to Lead. And that would launch a month after I got let go that last time. And um, I was doing some sort of a side hustle, a side business uh, in the margins of life before all this happened. I went into that head first just to kind of keep my head above water financially. But after about eight or so months uh, of working for myself, doing that side hustle, my podcast had picked up enough steam that I began to uh, uh, create programs and services and coaching and whatnot out of that. It served as a springboard to other things. And little did I know would eventually serve as a springboard to writing uh, the book that we're talking about. So what role did reading play in your life, Jeff? Oh, uh, huge. So uh, as a kid, I, I loved to read. My mom took us to the library all the time. I remember her reading to us as children. Then uh, school happened, junior high and high school. And I got reading and learning, the desire to learn, frankly, Marie, educated out of me. Um, that's what the school experience was like for me. And I think that's what the school experience is like for a lot of people. I left school glad that the learning was done. I left school glad that I didn't have to read things I didn't want to read anymore. And so I spent the, most of my 20s not picking up a book at all. And it wasn't until I was in my early 30s 
that I was even made aware of what else was out there. There were actually people writing about problems I was trying to solve. They'd already solved them and were writing about them. And I could learn from them, all of it in a, in a single place, a thing called a book. I didn't know that. And so it took someone, a mentor of mine at the time, and that's embarrassing to admit, but a mentor of mine at the time introducing me to um, a Purple Cow by, by Seth Godin and a, a John Maxwell book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and Liz Weissman's uh, Multipliers, How the Best Leaders Make Everyone Smarter, and Pat Lincioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and Jim Collins' Good to Great. And I'm reading all these books, and I, I'm just eating it up. I just absolutely loved it. So that mentor, his name is Matt, and, and Seth Godin were, were kind of came together, though they've never met, uh, to reignite uh, my love for reading. And when I realized that there were things I was desperately trying to learn that I could learn for $15 or $20 and not have to go back to school to learn it, that someone else could teach me, I could sit down, uh, you know, and uh, have a metaphorically have a cup of coffee with that person and learn from them and have a conversation with that author. That was fascinating to me. That was 18 years ago. And I've been reading um, about a book a week ever since. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because a lot of times we think like, if we're not good in school, that why would we read after school or like, we're not going to be good, you know, later, but what is the benefit of reading? Oh, the benefits are, are huge uh, in my own career and to uh, every individual I've ever talked to and interviewed for my show, you know, authors uh, first and foremost are readers. Um, and I found when I began reading uh, for uh, things that I wanted to learn about in my job and where I was at in my discipline, and that had to be marketing and then later social media marketing. As I began to learn, I began to experiment with what I was learning in my job. And the funny thing is, is the things that I tried that failed, people quickly forgot about those things. But the things that I tried that worked started to get me noticed to the point that people saw successes I was having by people, I mean, executives and, and people high up in the company. And they began inviting me to then present what I was learning and finding to other uh, departments within the company, to the entire sales team nationwide, to the entire programming team nationwide. Um, and then that led me to go, well, I probably better read about public speaking because I'm being asked to do that. And I've re never really done much of that. So I probably should know more about that. <laughs> so I began reading about public speaking and learning all I could. And I started with presentation design books like Gar Reynolds' uh, Presentations In, Nancy Duarte's uh, Slideology, because I thought if, if, if I can feel good about my slides, I'll be more confident when I'm standing there in front of a room full of people. And also maybe they'll be looking at the slides more than they're looking at me, honestly. Um, and as I did this, uh, one thing led to another. The president later of the company is deciding to visit uh, all the stations to get input, as a good leader does, for his vision for the company the next 10 years. And when he announced this, my leader came to me and said, Jeff, when he comes to our station, I want you to be the one to present on our station's behalf. You're going to be the guy who's going to share where you think we need to go in the next 10 years. So you know, that opportunity came because... Again, I was experimenting in what I was learning. I was taking what I was learning and putting it into practice and doing something very simple that many of my colleagues were not doing. The president sees that presentation and likes it so much, invites me to present it to the executive team at the corporate office. That leads a year or two later to him deciding to take all that he's gotten to put it into a message he wants to communicate to the world, but he needs to craft that message. Who does he come to to create the presentation? He comes to me. And nothing special about me. I simply was doing that one thing, intentional and consistent reading, that one thing that virtually none of my colleagues were doing set me apart from virtually everybody else. Yeah, that's so important. And it's kind of like the whole they zig, you zag, you know, do something a little bit. <laughs> sure. 
Although the typical thing is people want to do or like do what's ordinary or what everybody else is doing so they don't stick out. But really, sometimes when you find the results is when you do something different than everybody else is doing. Yeah, yeah. So, Jesse, I know in the book you guys talk about um, eight reasons why reading a book can help your career. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, we dig into, you know, why reading, uh, like why you should read, like your career depends upon it. And, you know, we walk through, you know, eight research back reasons why it will help you, like I said, boost your career and stuff. Yeah, so there's a ton there, you know, don't want to go into all the details. We'll just give the cliff notes uh, on here, of course. But yeah, so all these based on different studies and stuff from, you know, some, you know, kind of obvious ones, like, you know, reading books will make you more intelligent. Of course, you're going to get exposed to new ideas. You're going to expand your vocabulary. Uh, you're going to, you know, exercise your brain in a sense, you know, uh, improving it. Uh, so there's, you know, that to uh, studies show that reading uh, can help increase professional opportunities. Uh, other things, reading books will help improve your decision-making skills in a couple of ways. One, uh, kind of like Jeff was talking about earlier, and I think I may have mentioned a bit ago as well, that, hey, if there's a problem you're facing, there's a very good chance someone else has faced the same problem. And there's also a likelihood that he or she has written a book about it. And so instead of having to go through that same mistake, you can read his or her book, get the answer to your questions or the solution to your problem. And that's gonna improve your decision-making skill. And also reading in a sense, just in general, whether it's nonfiction books addressing something specific to just reading fiction books or whatever, also improves overall decision-making skill. Uh, studies show that reading books reduces your uh, stress level. So we're not talking like you have to sit down and read for hours upon end. I mean, this is something like, I think the study was, uh, if I remember correctly, it's like six minutes. So it shows that it's better than uh, music or drinking tea or even taking a walk that reading reduces stress. And so in terms of leadership or just even in, in life, I mean, if we're less stressed overall, then we're gonna be better able to you know, live our life, pursue our goals, all of those things. Uh, helps you sleep, uh, improves your ability to read, kind of uh, in a couple of ways again, uh, reading books specifically on leadership to just improve your ability to manage or inspire uh, people, uh, strategy stuff, to just even in general, like reading books uh, will help you become more empathetic as a person. And empathy is an essential soft skill uh, any leader needs to have, whether you're trying to influence your kids, peers, you know, spouse, significant other, team members, uh, those above you, managers, directors, or whomever, having the ability to empathize with people and really re uh, relate with them is gonna help you as a leader. Uh, it's also gonna, reading books show studies that uh, it's gonna help you be more creative. And then uh, kind of what Jeff was just sharing with his experience, it's gonna help you better communicate, not only in reading books specifically about public speaking uh, and communication, but Again, just being better able to uh, just communicate in general and clarify your thoughts and such. So ton of packs. And so one of the things, one last thing to add to that. So yes, there's all these benefits, um, you know, so it's like reading is like a chemical reaction where you're adding one or new substance and it creates something new. So anytime you read a book, whether it's a nonfiction book addressing a specific problem, just even fiction, in some way it's transforming you like in a very literal sense. Uh, and so that's one of the big reasons, like, yes, you need to read like your career depends upon it because there are positive, significant benefits you can experience by just picking up and reading a book. Yeah, I agree. And I think earlier you were talking a little bit about like decision-making skills and how reading can definitely help you with that. The O2B audience sometimes struggles with that, like being decisive or it can be easy to be a people pleaser. Um, mm -hmm. 
Can you give us an example of something that you've struggled with and then maybe a book that's helped that out? Yeah, one of the stories uh, that I shared in the book is uh, 10 plus years ago, I was working with a nonprofit organization. I was on staff as a copywriter. Just had a sense that my position was going to be phased out for different reasons. Uh, but I figured out like, oh, there's an opportunity to potentially make an internal pivot and pursue a different position within the company. Uh, so again, I was serving as a copywriter and that other position would have been something what's called like content marketing or content management. Uh, at the time when this was uh, happening, there wasn't a ton on the marketplace, but there were a host, I mean, I won't say host, but there were five to seven books about that particular topic. So I'm like, okay, at the time I was in graduate school, married, we had four kids at the time, not the five, uh, all these other responsibilities, like, all right, I don't have the time to go back to school, let alone the resources to do it financially, but I do have the opportunity to spend maybe a hundred dollars on all of these books and learn everything I can in the meantime. So it's like created my own curriculum, went through it, read all these books, uh, put together a plan, like kind of like a presentation in a sense, uh, made a pitch and then long story short, was able to make that transition and pivot into a new position. So it wasn't just the one book, it was actually ended up being a host of books that reading on that specific uh, opportunity. I'm like, okay, here's something I wanna do. I'm gonna read through these, help get my brain around it and to think through, if I want to try to make this change, what would that look like? And Or just reading these books, hey, here's how this information, here's some ideas that could benefit the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what totally helped me in that scenario um, to do that. Have you found that reading books kind of helps you get out of your own head? Like you don't have to be the ultimate decision maker, but you can learn from people around you? Oh, I mean, for me, 100%. And I think it's true for, for most people as well, too, right? Like, uh, you know, one of the things I struggle with is chronic depression. So reading books about other people's stories and being able to like, oh, I'm not alone. There's someone else who's going through that. And then hearing how they may express their experience or share the stories of someone else. Like, oh, yes, that's me. I, I get that. I can relate with that. Um, and so in that case, it's super helpful and has been over the years for me there. Or just even kind of going back to the marketing sense. I'm still in marketing and being able to read other books about marketing, like, oh yes, this is really relevant to what I'm going through to hear someone else's experience uh, in a similar situation. Like, yeah, get out of yourself and then be able to look at the same situation from someone else's perspective. Kind of like Jeff's uh, example shared earlier, it's like having a cup of coffee with the author without physically being with them. Like you're getting some of their best thoughts on paper. And so being able to sit down with them in a metaphorical sense and hearing what they have to say and asking them questions through the book and through what you're reading is, yeah, definitely a way to get out of your own skin in a sense and see whatever you're going through uh, through the eyes of someone else. So you've mentioned a couple times like about your, I think you said depression and then you said uh, negativity earlier. Um, I, listen, I work in law enforcement. I can understand like the negativity part. So I'm always like fighting against that. Do you have like one tip for someone that's struggling with like negativity or depression um, of what they could do or just a thought they could think that makes you feel a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's kind of like you're getting at earlier, like getting out of your own skin. Um, you know, I guess I'm trying to think of one tip that comes to the service. There's been, for me, the thing that I found helpful is, you know, exercise. Uh, not that I'm some sort of marathon runner or uh, elite athlete, but just being able to get out and walk, move, maybe do some resistance training uh, and being mindful of at least what I'm eating. Again, I'm not perfect in that regard, so I don't want to stretch it out like I'm, I've got everything clocked out or whatever, but at least I can 
tell by a certain time, like, okay, if I'm moving and being mindful at least of what I'm consuming, I can tell how that's influencing my body physically, which could then influence uh, me emotionally and mentally as well. Yeah, I have found that movement definitely works wonders. I have a love-hate relationship with running. <laughs> I love the after <laughs> yes. effects of running. I don't necessarily love the running. <laughs> no, yeah. My wife always asked me, like, was it a good run? And I'm like, I have no idea how to answer that question. Like, no running has ever been wonderful for me, but the benefits, I enjoy the benefits. So yes. <laughs> it's like I didn't I didn't kill over and die during my run or I didn't break something. So it was good in that sense, but yeah. <laughs> I say, like was a super enjoyable experience. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Jeff, in the book, you talk a bit about how you can read a 200 page book in an hour. Can you share with us how you can do that? Yeah, uh, there's a couple of ways. Uh, one is through a speed reading and um, that's a little bit difficult to describe in the format we have here today. And I will also admit that Jesse's the speed reading expert, but uh, in that particular chapter, I think maybe the chapter that, um, goes into detail on the concept of, of skimming and skimming on the surface sounds pretty obvious, but there's actually a, um, a process uh, to it. And, and Jesse has actually helped me refine my skimming process as somebody who reads a book a week and sometimes has to cheat uh, when I'm about to do an interview and maybe I don't have as much time as I would like. How can I get the meat, the key insights and main ideas from that book in as little as a couple of hours? Well, for me, that's through the technique of skimming. And so I start with reading the table of contents. And oh, by the way, let me back up for a second and say, when it comes to nonfiction in particular, uh, begin by asking yourself before you jump into the book, why am I reading this? What do I want to get out of this? When you identify that, then that informs the route you're going to take to get to that destination. And with a nonfiction book, that route may be something other than starting with chapter number one. If you see that chapters four, five, and six speak directly to what it is you want to get out of the book, then give yourself permission to start there. And when you get done with chapter six, if you've gotten what you intended to get, get out of it, you're done, or at least you can be. And so start not necessarily with the first chapter, but with the chapters that speak to what it is you want to get out of the book. Um, and then uh, go to the beginning of that chapter and read the headings and subheadings from beginning to end of that chapter and familiarize yourself with the message that the author is trying to convey, the points they're trying to make. Go back to the beginning of that chapter and now read the first and last sentence of each paragraph. Uh, many nonfiction books are written in such a way, and we tried to write ours in this way as well, uh, and just naturally written this way, uh, honestly, uh, where you're going to get 80% of the meat, the key insights and main ideas from what the author is trying to share when you do that. Read the headings and subheadings and go back and read the first and last sentence. Again, of the chapters that you're ultimately looking uh, to, to draw from, and that may not be the book from beginning to end, that may just be a handful of chapters, but start by asking yourself that question. What am I trying to get accomplished with this? Get out of this. Why am I reading it in the first place? And that's going to, again, you identify that destination. Now, you know what your journey is going to look like. So I have traditionally been somebody, I love reading books, but I don't feel like I absorb content as much as I would like to. So I've always been like terrified of the thought of skimming. Cause I'm like, if I can't absorb it, you know, just reading it straight out, how am I going to do that skimming? What would you say to that? Uh, I would say be uh, particular in how you take notes. So for me, and by particular, I mean, what I do is I go through and I allow myself, whether I'm skimming or reading uh, the book uh, normally, is I, I limit myself to just making markings and just keep reading. I used to read a paragraph or two and then highlight or take notes about what I just read. And that just 
uh, just really elongates the process and it, it makes finishing a book a laborious process or can quite frankly. And so I'll limit myself to making an asterisk for things that I think are of particular importance as, and continue reading or, and then make a, maybe a question mark if I come across something that I'm not sure I understand or I'm sure I agree with. And then a cue for a passage that I thought was particularly memorable or well-written or pithy, you know, a quote maybe that I want to remember. Um, and then I go from beginning to end of chapter or at least a section just making those markings. And generally I'm doing this in a, in a 25 minute, you know, timed reading session or a 50 minute timed reading session, a la the Pomodoro technique. When that session is done, my next session is in the note-taking session. And so in that next Pomodoro session, 25 minutes or 50 minutes, whatever it happens to be, I'm going just back to those markings that I made and I'm just taking notes. And I find that when I separate the two from one another, it's kind of like in writing a book, you know, I often struggled with uh, writing and then trying to edit as I wrote when what you really need to do is just write and get it on paper and then come back later and edit. And that's kind of what I'm talking about here, but applied to reading. So make a pass and just allow yourself to make simple markings that you can, uh, can come back to finish it, absorb it, then go back and take your notes. And when you write your notes, write your notes as if you're writing for somebody else, um, uh, such that they could understand and comprehend what you're, what you what you synthesized out of context, because future you is someone else. The right. future you that's going to come back to this is essentially a different person. So you need to write with that person in mind. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because there's been several times where I've read a book and I've highlighted stuff and then I'll go back and read it again. And I was like, why was that? Important? <laughs> you know, or you find different things that are important the next time you read it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I love how you guys are like breaking all the rules. You're saying if chapters <laughs> three, four, and five, you know, interest you, you can skip, you don't have to read beginning to end. Or you also talked about how you can read several books at once. You don't have to read just one book at a time. Jesse, can you speak to that a little bit? Why it, there would be a benefit to reading several books at once? Yeah, I think uh, to each, you know, him or herself and how they want to do it. I know it, uh, at, I know there's some that prefer like, I'm going to pick up this one book and come hell or high water, I'm going to finish it uh, before I move on to the next one. And uh, there are times when I do pick up a book and I read through it from, you know, beginning to end in, you know, a few sittings or before reading something else. But no, I normally have multiple books uh, going on at once. Uh, for instance, what I read at night, I prefer to read fiction at night uh, or entertainment, just to lay down, enjoy. I'm getting ready to go to bed. The television's off, lights are dim, and I'm just reading a book. Uh, and normally I, I tend to do fiction at night just because, and there are times I'll dog ear something, but uh, I don't want to read something perhaps I want to read for a specific purpose, like, oh, I want to learn something. So that way I'm not sitting up at, you know, 9, 10, 11 o'clock, and then I get struck with like, oh, I need to sit down and take some notes or act on this. Uh, so there's that. And then other things too, I've got, uh, I'll read other books. Uh, to Jeff's point, you know, I'm reading, you know, four or five at a time uh, from like, you know, I'm just looking at a stack I have on my desk here. Uh, I'm going through several books on public speaking. Uh, so I just finished up Speak to Win by Brian Tracy. Uh, kind of similar to the example I shared about making that change professionally some years ago. Uh, I tend to like, I like to make curriculums for myself. So uh, kind of going to my marketing work, I'm getting ready to do a deep dive around. I'm in the process of doing a deep dive now on branding. So I have uh, 10 or 12 books perhaps right now. And I have one on my desk, or actually two that I've been working through. I'll find myself, I'll read two or three chapters in one. 
and then I'll go to the other one and read two or three chapters, uh, you know, take some marks and notes along the way. Uh, and then other times I'm reading biographies or something. I've been super interested in Arnold Schwarzenegger lately because I just find his life so fascinating and what all he's been able to accomplish and do. So I'm like, I want to really like to learn a little bit more about his life and what led him to, you know, to be, you know, the man he's become and stuff. And so, uh, you know, reading through that as well. And so that's not everybody's, you know, cup of tea. Uh, I tend to, there's some speed reading techniques that we, we share in the book that I do. And so it's just a process that works for me uh, and the way I then come back to it afterward and take notes or, or write down some things as well. Like to Jeff's point, one of the things I've been doing lately, uh, really about the time we started working on the book is keeping a commonplace system. This is an idea, it's been around for some years I gather, but uh, it's one I came across through Ryan Holiday's writings. And so what I'm doing, I'm making marks in books that I'm reading. And then when I'm done reading that, I go back through the book and I'm looking for the places I left a mark, sometimes a note, uh, perhaps underline or whatever. Uh, and then at that point, I reread that section or that note or whatever. And then I'm transferring that to a note card. And then I'm putting that note card in just a you know, container in a sense. And I have the different sections that I've categorized. So I'm like, okay, this one fits in, you know, go into the branding example, or this one fits into history or fits into culture or something going on. Uh, so I have some other book ideas. So it's like, so I'm trying to categorize stuff for that as well. Uh, so that's a system I've been using to found helpful for me. Cause at one point I was using uh, Evernote to keep track of stuff, but I just find the act of writing, putting it on a note card is just helps me better recall and retain uh, and organize all my stuff in one place too. And I can carry it around with me. I think it actually, I just moved, but oh no, I put it in a drawer over here. So I'm not going to open it up and make a super loud creaky noise for everybody to hear, but <laughs> it's a fun process though for me at least. So you put some of your ideas that you learned on a three by five card and carry it around. Is that right? Yeah. So I don't carry it around. Um, I could show you, but of course people listening wouldn't be able to see it, but yeah. So what I'll do is I have three by five. I just actually ordered a new batch of index cards They're They just arrived in the mail today, the Amazon. Thank you. And so when I'm going back through there, I just have, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head without looking at a card. So I'll mark down the title of the book, the page number. And then when I'm going back through a book, I'll find that after time that, oh, some of these quotes or ideas or thoughts are all kind of grouped into similar concepts or ideas from the book. So I'll start putting, you know, multiple things on one note card, but I'm putting page numbers and stuff on there too. So that way to later date, if necessary, I can go back to the page in the book and find that. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'll write it down, transfer all those thoughts into note cards. Uh, for a good book, I'm probably getting 20 plus note cards. And then uh, for some books, I'm pulling out maybe, you know, five or seven, you know, different ideas. And then I just storm away and then that's it. And then I'll just go back to it at a later time. So like for the curriculum, I did mention a couple of times. So once, for instance, I go through this next batch of 10 or 12 books over the next several weeks about branding, I'll put all the note cards, you know, during the time into the, the commonplace book. And then when I'm done, I'll go back through those note cards when I'm in a position to like synthesize everything and put it in one spot. And so that way, then at that point, I'm using more of a, you know, Google Doc or Evernote file, and I'm keeping all the notes, maybe creating an outline and putting everything down so that way. And that's just a process of writing it out, helps me to better learn, retain, comprehend uh, what I'm going through. Yeah, I think the power of writing stuff down is definitely underestimated. Um, for yes. me, it absolutely helps cement things in my brain just a little bit more. <laughs> No, totally. And it's even something I've started using a bullet journal uh, in the last couple of years, too. And similar concept, I found myself 
losing, not lo but just not recalling stuff because everything was in the cloud. You know, it was in a project <laughs> management tool or some sort of note taking app. Uh, but I just found myself after making that transition back to pen and paper that, oh, I was better able to remember, you know, conversations, uh, recall what's going on. And then it's just a super easy way for me, at least, to keep uh, all the priorities for the week from work, family, uh, writing a book in one place. So that way I don't have two or three or four or five different places from email and, you know, different project management tools or Slack, you know, God forbid, you just lose so much stuff in there. Um, and so I don't want to have to go back through everything. So yeah, writing it down just helps me totally cement and remember things. Yes. And keeping it in one place definitely helps. I'm one to like put it yes. in like five different notebooks, which is no good. <laughs> no, no, no. So do point. I don't carry my note cards with me, but here's my bullet journal. You can see at least, and I do carry that with me. And uh, yeah, I take it out. And sometimes my wife will ask me like, why do you have your notebook? And I'm just like, well, maybe something comes up at work or I have a thought or idea and I'll just at least have it with me and I can mark it down. So I don't carry it at all times, but uh, you know, I do try to take it with me as much as I can. So that way, you know, again, having everything in one place and I can just keep it right there with me. I guess people could make the case of like, you could do that on a phone or something. But for me, at least I'm just trying to uh, limit or reduce my digital interactions. And I just find that a helpful way to do that. Yes. Oh, to beers. Don't be afraid to keep a notebook and write your thoughts and ideas down. Cause if you don't, it's so easy to forget them. <laughs> it is, it is. Or it's so easy to get overwhelmed by all the thoughts and ideas you might have in your head or all the things you need to do. Uh, and then just taking all of that and putting it down on paper. Yeah. So that way you're just not thinking about it. And I think that's even from uh, Get Things Done. Uh, it just talks about, you know, all the things. Uh, who's the gentleman? Was that Gary? I'm trying to think. Was that Gary Allen who wrote Get Things Done? David Allen. Okay, thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that was one of the things I recall some years ago reading that is like, hey, if you're stressed and anxious about whatever's going on, just sit down and just write it all on paper. So that way you can just quit thinking about it and just put it on paper and then schedule it if you need to. So that way you at least know like, oh, I'm not worried about it now. I don't worry about it when I'm scheduling it to get done later this week or whenever that is the case. Yes. So I know that we're winding down here a little bit, but Jeff, one thing I wanted to ask you um, o to beers are all about taking action and how they can take actionable steps in the book. You talk about how to take action after reading a book or why it's important. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think that's everything. Uh, they say knowledge is power, but I disagree. Knowledge put into action is, is power. If it's just in your head, it's not doing anybody any good. And, and I think a lot of times in life, we're given well-meaning advice by coaches and teachers and parents. It's not necessarily bad advice, but the advice along, is along the lines of, you know, if you just believe in yourself enough, you can do anything you set your mind to. But the problem is, is many of us never get around to the believing part. Um, we, we, we spin our wheels and never quite accomplish the things that we want to accomplish out of fear. And we get to the end of our, our lives with regrets for things we wished we'd done that we never did or living someone else's life or the life that everybody else told us we should live. And so I'm a big believer in, uh, in, the, in the mantra that we take, uh, uh, we believe because we take action, right? Um, we don't take action because we believe. We believe because we take action. So do first, believe second. When you take action, when you step outside your comfort zone, the thing that happens is your belief, that thing you think you're supposed to have first, belief, confidence, bravery, all those things catch up later. So you've got to resign yourself to the thought, to the idea that I'm going to have to do it scared. I'm going to have to do it afraid and trust the process. If I'll just move, 
if I'll just, you know, fight the inertia and, and get off my rear end and go for it, trust that bravery, uh, not security, but bravery, confidence, all those things will come in, in, in due time. So good. So good. So let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life they want. Yeah, I would say, uh, and I hinted at this earlier, something that I have benefited from greatly, and I think many women would as well, and it comes down to relationships and people uh, who have similar goals that you have and similar aspirations. Uh, Jim Rohn said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, And I would encourage all women to surround themselves with the kind of people who are living the kinds of lives you yourself want to live and who are going to challenge you to that kind of life. And so that's going to involve things like mastermind groups. Uh, that's kind of uh, the thing I always default to because that's how they're often realized uh, in today's world. That means meeting with a group of women on a regular basis who have similar goals and aspirations as you and who are willing to encourage you, who are willing to challenge you, who are willing to um, uh, push you outside your, your comfort zone, hold your feet to the fire, hold you accountable to the things that you say you're going to do. And those kinds of groups for me have been transformative. They've been a big part of why I've been able to accomplish the things that I have along the way, because those people are constantly pushing me to do things. I'm not certain I'm ready to do. I I went, uh, mentioned the whole fear and, and, and taking action in the midst of fear. Anyway, mastermind groups are great for helping you do that. So if, if you're on this journey and you're on this journey alone, stop, don't, don't take another step alone. Surround yourself with, with like-minded people who can push you outside your comfort zone. Mm. Yes, I totally agree. And then you can, they can also see things for you that you can't see for yourself. <laughs> mm, totally. Totally. Jesse, you want to go? Yeah, I think, and I'm just kind of thinking of one of the uh, recent conversations my wife and I've been having at least. And I think big things, you know, take care of yourself. I think women have a tendency in a good way to, you know, servant oriented, helpful, you know, uh, compassionate for others and taking care of others needs uh, in their life, whether it's, you know, friends, uh, children, you know, spouses, whomever, and within all of that helping and serving other people, you can at times get lost or maybe not be more about taking care of yourself, whether you want to Stephen Covey sharpening your saw. Uh, to just even, you know, taking time to get out and exercise, to, you know, take time to carving out time to read a book, uh, whatever that could be. So there are times, I think, to just schedule that dedicated time, whether it's in the morning, afternoons, you know, evening time or weekends that you're, you know, looking after yourself, you're taking care of yourself, you're sharpening your saw, you're getting renewed, you're getting re-energized, which at the end of the day is going to place you in a better spot to just be more, you know, to be the compassionate person you want to be as you are helping and, and serving and taking care of other people. Yes. Oh, to be yours. You heard it from Jesse. <laughs> Check out, read different books, but read to lead. Definitely a good book. I found myself higher lighting the heck out of it. <laughs> so how can we connect with you guys? Yeah. The best place is read to lead uh, If you're hearing this and it's before August 31st, uh, there's some uh, special goodies in order for you uh, or uh, lined up for you. A number of resources, bonuses that you can take advantage of when you pre-order the book, which can be done by the way, before August 31st for 40% off. It's just like 11 bucks. 
So you get the book for that and you get all these bonuses, including the audio book, a course that Jesse and I have put together, uh, a free chapter, bonus chapter, and some other goodies. If you're hearing this and it's after uh, August 31st, don't fret. You can still go to readpleadbook.com and uh, sort of kick the tires. You can download the uh, introduction and first chapter for free. And if you like what you read, we encourage you to, to check out the, the book there at readtoleadbook.com. Okay. Thank you so much. You guys have been total badasses and have enjoyed hearing <laughs> your story. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on. And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, ordinarytobadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's ordinarytobadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.